0: than that. Welcome to The Heathen's Guide to Life, a show with this opinionated jerk and his little brother give our take on how to live your best life. I'm Katab. What's up, world? I'm Kayla Sean. Thank you for tuning in. You are in for a very interesting ride. The word heathen in this universe called The Heathen's Guide to Life is actually an endearing term. A heathen is simply someone who lives their life unapologetically according to a belief system and a code of conduct that works for and makes sense to them, irrespective of what others might think or feel. Make sure you check us out at theheathensguy.com for your one-stop shop to all things heathen. You can find the full archive of our shows as well as our line of t-shirts and sweatshirts. And those titles currently are Heathen, our signature, Curate Your Squad, Live Unapologetically, Love Unapologetically, and my personal favorite, fuck boys will be fuck boys Mm -hmm. you can also connect with us on mixcloud soundcloud stitcher and itunes so search for the heathen's guide to life and follow and subscribe and while you're at it leave a comment on all those platforms and then share with your network spread the wealth marmy hey bro hey what's new in your life
1: you know it's been a good week um i'm still on my little celibacy thing we're going into week three Still have such issues, with it's, uh, so it's my partner. But uh, you know, you sometimes you have to do things for you, and it's for my own personal growth. Um, but I've, I've had a few slip-ups, too to be exact. But I'm still counting it as week three. Uh, um, but besides that, you know, it's been a it's been a very nice week. The weather's good. Uh, I've been feeling just you know how you just wake up some days you're like damn like I'm I'm really that nigga like damn nice. As he tosses his hair back. <laughs> I can't you know. Like sometimes you just you just been feeling yourself, you know. So it's been one of those weeks I'm like, fuck, I really let a nigga like lock lock me down at 17. Like what was I thinking? Mm. I'll be a fool out in these streets if I was single. Mm. So uh yeah, the, the weather does that to me. It brings out my inner thought. Your inner thought? <laughs> yes. Cause it's not on the surface.
0: Oh, okay. <laughs> it's very tucked away. Okay. And I'm tall and dark skin <laughs> How was your week? it was good it was actually i've had a really busy week actually i have a um a, a bunch going on um i had to do a production trip to miami yeah. for a day i was literally in miami for less than 24 hours i didn't even know until you came back it was good it was fun i went down for um a work um on the side for a film festival so i went down for a production walkthrough so i did that and um came right back um so it was all cool and then um, other stuff going on, but really basic week. And uh, I have must also celebrate that I am down ten pounds Yeah. In my eating plan. Get it, boy. So I'm a third of the way to my goal of thirty pounds lost by September first.
1: So fast, and it really goes to show that it's not all about working out. If you tailor your eating to like a way that works for you, you can lose weight. Because I, I like all the nutritionists say, like it's really about what you take in. It is. It's ten pounds not- in ten pounds in four weeks. Uh, so are you still gonna go to September?
0: I'm gonna go until I reach thirty pounds okay. or until I'm like, all right, I've done enough.
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: I think thirty pounds is gonna be it. Um, but we shall see.
1: Now, shall we? Yeah, you don't want to lose too much weight. Well, you know, you can never be too skinny or too rich. I'm, I mean, that skin makes it hard to sag a little bit. Mm, you're right. Actually, <laughs> actually, you, actually, you
0: can be too thin. Um, anyway, it's not my body's hard to be that thin anyway. Right, so right. I'll be fine. So, uh, other than that, that's really all of it. Yeah. I really want to jump in art into our topic because it's so like it's it's so meaningful this week you know we spend a lot of time um like you know being fools and talking shit but like there are certain topics that are really like meaty and substantive that we want to lend ourselves to so with that being said kamar do you have anything else to say before we jump into our topic this week not at all let's do it good let's jump in this week on the heathens got to life we're going to touch on some subjects that that are near and dear to our hearts i'm sorry that are near and dear to our experience as gay men Mm -hmm. we're going to share with you our respective coming out stories the challenges and trauma uh, that followed and how we eventually learn to embrace our sexuality despite um, some bullying alienation and ostracism sometimes from our own family
1: yeah, so we came up with this topic um, as a result of a very highly publicized uh, case of a little gay boy from Alabama who committed suicide as a result of constant anti-gay bullying. Yeah.
0: So yeah, that's that just really hurts my heart. Right, it's heavy. So Kamar, actually, so um, now that you've all, now that you've come out as being a person who works <laughs> in the news, yeah, why don't you fill us in on this all too common and tragic story?
1: Well, um, what's his, his name? First? His name is Nigel Shelby. He was 15, um, and he went to a high school in Huntsville, Alabama. It's in northern Northern Alabama. And he died, uh, like, about two weeks ago. Um, He died of suicide. And his mom said he was struggling from depression, and um, he was being teased a lot. Now, this story has really been on my timeline a lot. It has. It and, um, you know, because of the, the nature of social media, people who look really um, similar to, to, to you, you kind of tend to resonate with them a lot. Mm-hmm. And this little boy was so handsome. He had a beautiful smile. And he just had so much light in his eyes. And he could have easily been either one of us, you know, very handsome young man. And um, he took his own life because he just couldn't take the pressure. Now, his mom has been talking in the media um, to very select groups of um, news organizations. Mm -hmm. And in one interview, she said that he would sometimes just be like, Mom, why can't I be normal? Mm -hmm. Like, it would be so much easier if I was just like a regular boy. And of course, she tried to do what all mamas would do. Well, hopefully all mamas. And she's like, you know, you are normal. It does not matter who you love. It doesn't define who you are. Mm -hmm. And he was just like, yeah, it doesn't feel like that at school, Mm -hmm. you know? And um, his mom, her name is Kamika, she really doesn't want his story to be about him dying. Mm-hmm. She wants people to celebrate his life, but she also wants it to be a warning shot to other people who are going through this. It's like, you know, hey, if your child is struggling with his identity, talk to them, Yeah, you know, make sure that you know what's going on now. I don't know if he was in therapy or not, but he was definitely taking some type of antidepressant. I wonder if there were signs that he was kind of
0: uh, at the edge before he went ahead and took his life?
1: Well, one of his friends said that he would have good days and bad days. Mm. And he would really try his best to um, cover up the sadness. Mm -hmm. And that was mostly for other people. Not so much for him, but he wanted to be strong for his mom. He wanted to be strong for his friends. And sometimes that would just fall flat and he would come to school and he would just just have like a really bad day. Mm -hmm. And that's what one of his friends said. But you know, other times he was always singing and dancing. In mm. my mind, I hear him being really excited about Beyonce's new album. Yeah. you know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah. Just like dancing, yeah. doing yeah. the nay nay and stuff. <laughs> and um, his his IG following has like quadrupled since his death. There's yeah. been an outpouring of love, which and... mean, that's encouraging. Yeah. Um, but you know, it's how whatever
0: timely it is. So you know, as like we said, this uh, story really inspired us about our own experiences as being as being. Um, Gay men, and so, on, uh, why don't you start off by sharing with us um, your own coming out story? Because luckily, we didn't come, we did, we've had a, a different outcome.
1: Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So I wanted this title, the title of the show, to be Gay Boy Joy, and it's about being able to come out on the other side. A lot of us have those experiences where it's so traumatic in the beginning, mm-hmm. and you're finding yourself, and you don't know what to do. And if you're lucky, you get to kind of come out and you be able to embrace yourself and love yourself. Um, My my coming out story wasn't as dramatic as um, Nigel's was. Mm -hmm. Um, And some of the stories I've heard have just ended really tragically, like his. But for me, it was more of a realization and a moment of Mm -hmm. self-acceptance. I never had a conversation with my mom or dad about me being gay, I always felt like they um, they could just care less, you know? Um, but things started to change around the age. I said, like, maybe 13 or 14. And I allowed myself to be around boys who were a little more flamboyant. Mm-hmm. Before, I would try to, like, stay away from that because kids would already associate me with gay, you know? I had a, a terrible nickname. It was Gaymar. <laughs> oh, really? Gaymar, I was playing on. Kamar. Oh, and, um, no. and, yeah, <laughs> it's funny now. But, yeah, so, and I, I would just try, like, to not do things... Katab, just laugh. You want to laugh so bad. I actually don't. I really don't. I really don't want to laugh. Gay yeah. Um, And I wouldn't really hang out with boys who were like feminine because I just wanted to distance myself from it. I was in a lot of denial. And I tried my best to, you know, do the baggy pants and date girls and, you know, toss a football. Still- but you
0: knew, but you knew that 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 really wasn't who you were.
1: Like you yeah. were doing, yeah, like you were doing that to avoid that perception of being gay. Yeah, I was just going through the motions a little bit because oh. I I didn't maybe I may not have had a word for it, but I knew I was different and i knew i loved janet jackson i knew i like to put a little fake ponytail in my hair and do rhythm nation stuff like that um i was aware <laughs> you remember that right with the cap i would take my mom's leftover weed from braiding and i would just tuck it in the back of the cap. Stop and i would go through the whole rhythm nation stuff stop oh my family loved it and i would wear long robes that flowed in the back and i would swing them when i got to the end of the stairs and like everybody, kind of like knew, yeah. and my even my cousins would like pick on me and call me names and stuff like that. But yeah. it it really didn't affect me as much at home until it started to mirror what was going on in school. Okay, you know, with kids picking and stuff like that. So I can identify with parts of Nigel's story because it wasn't it wasn't always easy for me. I lived in a fairly safe part of Newark. I, I grew up in Ironbound, but it was still the hood, and um. The thugs will always try me they would always <laughs> they would always try me so i got into a lot of fights and i would never back down if a straight boy challenged me mm-hmm. or if anybody challenged me mm-hmm. and they always did so in a way i felt as if i was fighting for my manhood you know like i was trying to prove to them that i wasn't soft mm-hmm. and eventually they found out if they came for old gaymar <laughs> they better jump me because oh, <laughs> that was the only way um, that they would they would get me because I was I was nice with the hands mm-hmm. and you know I had cousins that were like hard ass niggas and, and like I made a name for myself in the hood and like to this day like they respect me because you know I would stand up to the bullies you know um, <laughs> I remember one time I was this guy in like a 5th grade and he was just like really tough and I went up to him and it looked like something from a movie he was like tall he had to be like 6 feet <laughs> and I'm like Taiwan, you ain't nothing but a big old bully. <laughs> and everybody was like, oh. <gasps> and we got into a fight. He whooped my ass. Oh, shit. oh that boy whooped my ass. <laughs> but um, after that, people were coming up to me like, yo, boy, you got a lot of heart. Yeah, I, 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 I would never stand up to Taiwan. And after that, <laughs> it was like smooth sailing. Yeah. And, you know, I started repping my little rainbow, you know, and um, really low key, though. I had like a little like, rainbow sticker in my wallet. And that's how my friends found out. Right. Around really? by the time, yeah, a lot of time high school came, they were like, "Okay," and um, that was that. <laughs> and that was all that—that that was all in high school. Well, no, that most of that stuff happened like up until high school. When oh, okay. high school came, I learned to own it. Oh, that was all, like, in junior high, like, eight, that was like seventh, eighth grade? Before, Yes. Oh, shit. Yeah. By the time high school came freshman year, I was like, you know what? There's other gay people here. And you had, like, you know, really, really um, feminine boys mm-hmm. who they got most of the attention because they were getting picked on because they were so um, so effeminate. Yeah. So they wasn't thinking about little old me. Like, I wasn't even, like, I was, like, half as flamboyant as them. And you had, you know, girls who dressed like boys. And I'm just like, oh, wow. Like, these kids are really, really... Um, owning their sexuality mm-hmm. and I and you know that inspired me to you know be more open with my friends and you know I got to talk about boys with um, my female friends and I got a, I, I gained a few male friends who were gay and, and a few straight ones too who just like yo I respect you you, you cool people and that's where I just learned to be like okay I can embrace myself this is who I've always been my parents don't care and um, I actually never had a conversation with my mom about it You know, one day I just um, I brought home a man. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's how it happened. Um, it was it was when I met when I met my partner, and um. She she took to him right away, and yeah. she kind of knew what it was a little bit. Mm-hmm. And they played some video games together, and he's been around ever since then. No way, you man. know, that was a long time ago. That was like at age seventeen. So yeah, good, like eight years ago. So, um, here we yeah. are. <laughs> here we are. Anyway. Tell us about your coming out experience. After I call you a fucking
0: liar, eight years. <laughs> ago, what about lying ass <laughs> about. bastard? Before I go into my coming out story, I have yeah. to. Uh, after, if I haven't told you before, I always commit. I was always, I always actually uh, appreciated that you were so comfortable in your skin, so young.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, and I just always like that. I always appreciate that about you. And I don't know if i I told you, you that. You haven't.
1: Before. Wow. Well, I did. Yeah.
0: Um. So I did. I inspire you. I don't know about that, but <laughs> I definitely commend you for okay, that. Okay. <laughs>
1: Tell
0: your um, story. I have a very different experience than you did. Um, so although all my life, my family told me that I was gay, oh, yeah. and I just didn't believe them. <laughs> <laughs> Literally, I didn't believe them. <laughs> um, I had feminine ways from a child. I would wear my, I would wear a towel on my head as as if it was hair. Tina Turner. I, t- I was obsessed with <laughs> Tina Turner when I was little. I would wear my pajama uh, tops as um, as a skirt and the bottoms as hair. Oh snap! Um, but you know, as a child, I had I may have had these ways, but I was too young to have any like sexual attraction. Good. So it was all about mannerisms and behavior. Mm-hmm. And I, you know, played with girls a lot. Um, I don't know that I played with dolls a whole lot, but I, if they were there, I did. I, I also played with like action figures. Okay. too. I just play, I was a child. Um, and so I would also add that I've always been exposed to gay people um, my entire life, like through our auntie. So I've always mm. known gay people my entire mm-hmm. life. Um, and they were always like, and they were always interesting and fun, and I always thought they were like just dope, cool people. Um, as I got older, I had girlfriends. Um, throughout elementary school and junior high and high school and i genuinely liked them i was genuinely into them as my girlfriend my first kiss was with the girl and when, when we were in the sixth
1: grade wait a minute the light-skinned chick yes that's oh, our first girlfriend oh
0: my goodness yeah me and lamira go back to first grade have you ever
1: kissed as adults
0: no because by the time we were adults, I was already fully, like, I was already out and gay, and that's, that wasn't the nature of our relationship.
1: That's never stopped you from kissing women. It just wasn't her,
0: okay. but, you know, fine. Oh. All right, so when I was 16, I had my first experience with a man. Now, I chalked it up to being curious and experimental, and I'll also add, for just the sake of my truth, that I was 16 and he was, like, 30-something.
1: Oh, my goodness, we're going there. Why not? Let's put Why not? it all put it on out the table. there. So
0: I will say that that was that was. That was um, my first experience with, with a male and it was ongoing for a a little while. Um, and yes, I was 16 and yes, he was 30 something old, old enough to be my parent, but I don't feel like I was molested. I don't feel like I was taken advantage of or anything like that. Even to this day, over 20 years later, I don't, I look back and I still don't feel taken advantage of. I was fully present and fully you know in control of the situation and that's just what I wanted at the time and granted you know I come from a very non-traditional and I just you know I, it just was what it was at the time and I will own that it was illegal then and now but I don't feel like I was molested I don't think that I want to just lay that out right there as part of my story um, at 19 I had another experience with another experience with a guy and that didn't end so well that was uh he was a friend of my brother's that I knew for like many years get the hell out of here and uh, one day we were like I hit him up I wanted to like fool around we had fooled around before whoa and this was actually after high school we were fooling Wait, around your brother had a gay friend or was he closeted he was closeted oh yeah so actually we met again I always knew him from him knowing my brother but um, he did a fashion show at my high school, my senior year, he was in the show too. Mm-hmm. Cause our school, we um, we let outside folks be in our fashion show. Mm-hmm. So that's how we kind of met again. And then, you know, I'm 18 at this point. And um, so we exchanged numbers, we had fooled around before. And so one time I was drunk as fuck, I was drunk. And I called him up, I was like, Yo, let's get together, went to his house and then um, he, he fucked me but I didn't want it I kept saying no so in that sense it was I was I was raped but I don't know that I feel that I was raped. Was
1: that your first time?
0: Yeah uh, my first time being penetrated yeah Mm. and it wasn't pleasant Um, I didn't ask for it Um, but I will also say that I was like maybe that was one of the things where I'm like all right, poor decision Um, I shouldn't have put myself in that situation and that's what happened um, but I will own that I said no and it still happened. So that's free. I have
1: so many thoughts
0: about this, but we well, needed to have know like an after show or something. That's my story, right? So, all right. So then I still didn't think that I was gay. I just, I think around that point, I started thinking that I was like bisexual or like heterosexual with gay tendencies. Um, but, but I own that I had to begin to have some attraction to men at that point. It wasn't until I was 21 that I actually realized and owned that I was gay. So I never had the experience where I knew that I was gay and I hid it. Mm. It was like, I just, that's not what I felt about myself. And I think, you know, we have an uncanny ability to be in denial about certain things. Um, And so at 21, I was in college. I had a moment in the mirror, just me in the mirror. I'm like, good to have you You are gay. You are gay. You are gay yay and like it was really like a moment it was like really like i can almost liken it to being in the movie where like that character has their coming to jesus moment with himself and that's what it was for me
1: like in poetic justice when that stevie wonder song plays yes
0: (laughs) yes i don't know what song would be playing in the background during that moment but it was definitely the moment (laughs) if i was your girl stop it shut up um so that was that and then it all kind of clicked Soon after that, I actually came out to my friend Isam, who's now one of my best friends in the world, part of my Mariband of heathens. But I think he had he had been forcibly outed by that point, so I already knew what was up with him. And then I confided in him what I was going through, Hmm. and I I wrote a letter. And I I think I I read it out loud, and after I read to Isam, I wrote it out. I'm so dramatic, so then after I read it, I remember tearing it up and throwing it in the garbage. And he and he later told me that he kept shreds of that letter for his own keepsake receipts keepsake <laughs> <laughs> so now at this point i'm 21 years old and although i was finally able to admit my admit that i was gay like i actually owned it and believed it and could say it out loud i wasn't ready to tell any of my family or friends so that's the point where i kind of like hit it it was a very short time okay so i started seeing this guy in brooklyn around that time and i would go spend the weekend with him but i would tell my roommates i'm um, going home for the weekend and after a couple of months after that, um, I got the nerve to tell my roommates, you know, all guys. Mm-hmm. And they were like, so? <laughs> In fact, one was like, well, do you like me? And I was like, no. He was like, okay, so? I don't care.
1: Which one was it? Keith. Oh, really?
0: Because that's who Keith is. And he was like, I don't give a fuck. Oh, um and then after that I told one of my friends they were all like uh, so nice. that was the that was the general sentiment I told my father he was like and I don't remember him making a deal out of it I think he was also like well I kind of already knew yeah I he, think and, and a lot and of actually, family members But actually I that. think he said to me that could be why he was so like distant growing up I think he even owned that him knowing that I was going to be gay that I, he knew that I was gay then and whatever it took whatever time it took me to own it he recognized that that could have been what Kept him kind of detached, mm-hmm. like from me growing up. Yeah. I was like, hmm, okay. But then when I told my siblings, Lord. them motherfuckers gave me a hard time. Which and one? And both my older siblings. I know, but which one was like real bad? Both of them were equally mm-hmm. ignorant. What they say? I don't know what they said, but they were just they gave me they, they gave me a hard time, Being and, and it was yeah, because what the fuck they are? <laughs> I love them though. And it was especially interesting <laughs> because they were because they were the ones among the family that said who, who always said that I was gonna be gay. Mm-hmm. So, and then after that is when I met um, my now, is who I met, uh, my now um, ex. We were 21. And once that happened, I was pretty much open with, you know, um, everybody. And as I've gotten older and more comfortable in my own skin, without regards for how others, like, um, perceive me, I've been able to live in a constant state of joy and happiness. Yes. And
1: look at me now. I mean, <laughs> that's what it's all about. Just learning to come out on the other side. I, I just wish more people would be able to stick with it. I think the key there is that we had positive representations of gay people in Always. our Always. I
0: mean, it's hard to be in the New York, New Jersey area and not, you know, and not be around gay yeah. people in some capacity. Yeah. And luckily we had a family of weirdos where <laughs> they were there and around and in our life and they weren't they weren't a distant figure that we see on TV. They right. were actually there was like there was there was like my Uncle Binka, you know what I'm saying? Like there were people that we knew, and I didn't I didn't necessarily equate gay with sex no. until I was in my teens. Yeah. They were just girly boy. They were just like girly men, yeah. or they just dressed well, or it was more Fabulous. about more about the life. Um, not I'd never thought about the idea of two men getting together. That just was never That's a it. thought in my mind until later. The first time I saw a gay porn, I was like shocked.
1: <laughs> I think the problem with our country is that we hypersexualize homosexuality. Yeah, you know, we don't think about it as a gender choice. We think about, and I say gender choice. I think they think about it as you know just sexual acts. I had, to tell,
0: I had to tell <laughs> my, my brother I had to tell Hadid Hadid Stop thinking about me sucking dick yeah. that's, that's that's what's grossing yeah. you out so much yeah. Like, Stop getting the visual Because the visual
1: If you're not into that Will freak you out And I'm like Stop thinking about that And people are so worried About what gay people do In their bedroom And that's yeah. why you have Like anti-sodomy laws And stuff like that yeah. Yeah. And all those type of things And it comes from The background of our country Of you know People being Puritans And just not doing things That are against the norm Yeah And I think it when I think of like Huntsville, Alabama, I've never been, but where Nigel was from, you know, his—I can just imagine being like, you know, one local uh, transsexual person who everyone calls a transvestite, you know, right, and, right. and gets talked about, and you know, and I think if you grow up in everything about who you are is bad, mm-hmm. you think you're bad, mm-hmm. and you don't want to be bad anymore, but you can't control that. And if you're in Huntsville,
0: Alabama, I doubt any identity that's not some staunch. Christian identity is, is any kind of like celebrated or right. encouraged or anything. Yeah. Which, which is why I have an aversion to the South and I always have <laughs> and I probably always will. It's like you myopic
1: people. Thankfully um, we had people in our lives that taught us about other um, other alternative types of lifestyles. Yeah. And, um, you and we know,
0: actually witnessed it. Paris is Burning it. on TV. I remember watching know? it. I remember watching it on VHS at my aunt's house and loved it. And then because um, my aunt, our aunt, and Binka were like into that scene at the time. They like gave more details about what the ballroom scene yes. was like. So I learned about the ballroom scene when I was 11 years old. Wonderful. In like 1991, when it was still burgeoning mm. publicly, you know, yeah. that's before like Madonna came out with Vogue. Um, <laughs> And but I've always been familiar with it. Right. But let's go back to like our respective stories. And how we grew up in the same family and had two way different experiences yeah. with coming out. I wasn't until I was twenty one, but a lot of it was again because that just wasn't I never I up until that point I didn't I wasn't hiding anything. Um, even though, even though I was like living in the glass closet, I guess but I wasn't hiding anything. Yeah. Um, and then here you are, you know, fifteen, sixteen, and you're and you're totally like open and comfortable being gay. And I was like, wow, I I really commended you for that. Um, but I will say that although we lived in a in a in a um, in a family where we weren't demonized or we weren't you know um,
1: talked badly about. There was still some bullying going on, but I, yeah. think,
0: but I think that's just the nature of families. Yeah, they
1: pick on you if, you if you're the one with the big nose or if you're the tall one. Like you know, families do that stuff, and most of the time it's with love. But sometimes, it's hearted, you know? sometimes it gets it crosses the line. Yeah, I mean, I can't tell you how much I was. I mean, I was called
0: Katabatha or I was called Katabra. Oh, yeah, I remember that one. Um, my, I was, you know, I'm naturally on the um, on the thick side. Like, I'm not naturally thin. And I was, you know, a little kid with baby fat. Mm-hmm. I remember distinctly a time that my grandmother, Ooh. like, threw her bra at me. <laughs> yeah, I can laugh at it now yeah. and I laugh at it then. But I think all those things, all those kind of, like, innocent it's we call it bullying now but you know it it was really just family just teasing you which is what we do um it created little digs in my identity yeah you know so i still to this day have a fat boy complex Mm. um i'm on the chunkier side now and i still think that i'm quite good looking but i have a thing about being fat like i judge fat people i watch like my sister, um, my six hundred pound life, with a mix of judgment and amazement. Mm. Um, I don't think they're really about fat people, but partially is that is my own issues because of what I grew up with. You just
1: see that big double D broad being tossed in your face. <laughs> I did. Right. <laughs> That's all you could think about. Right.
0: Well, like even what's even more interesting is that having a family like my aunt, and my uncle, um, who you know would call me Katabra mm-hmm. and you know make little digs about being gay were like gay people themselves. They were all around that, yet I still got digged at because I had these tendencies. See, I feel like it's... And I think, and I also think that that's what kind of created my... um, that denial that I that became my reality, yeah. Yeah. you know? Like, clearly, I had these ways about me, but I genuinely did not think that about myself and it was probably because, well, if you're being teased about it, being teased about it is wrong and I don't want to be wrong. Mm-hmm. So I created whatever I created, whatever it was in, in my in my identity that I that's not what I was and that's really what
1: I believed until I didn't anymore you know it's it's weird because the same people who tease you are the same ones who kind of embrace your your sexuality too at the same time like mm-hmm. like for example our aunt um I never really came out to her but I it was like one summer that I went down to Florida I think you were there at the time mm-hmm. living with her and I was reading a book called The Downlow, mm-hmm. and it—I—I I, I took the cover off because I didn't want anyone to know. Yeah. And um, I think you got a hold of it, and you know, you didn't really think much of it. Um, my aunt got a hold of it, and she kind of took little digs at me. I remember she was like, you know, um, I, I don't—I don't know about you, but I'd rather taste fish than shit any day. <laughs> <laughs> Shady and I'm like but you're the same one embracing me like to be who I am and stuff like that but then like you're taking little digs and then she'd uh, rather taste fish
0: that's because she tasted fish <laughs> but she'll to she, she had a whole ass girlfriend
1: um uh, yeah I missed that part I didn't know that you were little her name was Papacina oh shit Okay, sidebar. Let's talk about that later. Oh, I should later. be calling her name. No, out, no, no. Oh, well. Um, and then I remember a like grandma, uh grandmother. I never came out to her either, but it was, again, another book. I was reading this book. I think it was called B-Boy Blues. Remember that? I read that. Yeah, and you and said, oh, I think the B stands for butt boy blues. <laughs> I was like, I thought it was bad boy, but okay. And <laughs> right, like she's, she's embracing it, but she's taking dicks at the same time. So shady. Yeah. Um, But yeah So I I I was reading that book And grandma um, Somehow got a hold of it Mm -hmm. And I don't know How she had Memorized parts of it But like I'm sitting down Or whatever Didn't know where my book was I thought it was lost And she's like uh, We're watching something on TV And it was like This fine black man That came on One of her soap propers Mm -hmm. And she's like "Mm, Look at him he looks tall and slim with a real thick back. He probably drinks his OJ straight from the bottle. I was like, "Are Wait you a minute? Fucking kidding <laughs> me?" Start reciting a part from the book. And then she tossed the book at me. <laughs> you know what? How
0: how how could we not be dramatic, motherfuckers with family like this? What? What? Dude, oh, she just
1: the just at me. I was like, <laughs> it's fantastic. This is like from a movie. And I was like, I was looking for my book, Grandma. She was like, mm-hmm. mm-hmm. <laughs> and that was
0: the end of it. But it goes to show. <laughs> we may have had digs at, but then our family kind of made fun of it they made yeah. light of it. But, you know, they didn't try to send us to conversion school. Nope. They didn't make us feel bad about who mm-hmm, we were. Never. They did what regular <laughs> color folks do. They tease things that they think are, are, are different. Yeah. Um, and unfortunately, you know, a lot of gay people have that experience where their family are so... Um, Strict in their, Mm. in their, in their. They're the
1: main ones doing the hurting.
0: Yeah, and it really takes digs at your identity as you're growing up. And thank God that I don't, I don't have that. Mm. You know, Mm. being gay for me is part of who I am. That I will fully own and admit. But I never wore a rainbow on my sleeve, and I'm not going to. Just like I'm not wearing a black power sign on my hat. I don't need to. I'm clearly black. I'm clearly gay. Um, and those are just components of my, of my, of my being. Exactly. Um, they don't define me in and of itself. Right. So I'm not just a black man. Mm-hmm. I'm not just a gay man. I'm not just a short man. Mm-hmm. I'm just, I'm Katab and I have all these different things about me. And luckily I've always been encouraged about by, by a lot of that stuff. Good. Um, I don't know that. In fact, I can say that I don't walk around feeling like I have a target on my back. Um, like a lot of black people do. And, 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 because of their experiences, mm-hmm. I don't have those experiences. I even growing up in school being the smartest kid in the class and being all and being like roly-poly, I never got teased and bullied growing up, right. which is which is which has added to my healthy self-esteem. Um, even being you know people might might have made comments about me about me hanging with girls all the time in school, but I never got bullied and teased growing up in school ever and that's just color that's why i so when we we talk if we bring up um the story about nigel and it hurts me to my heart that he was ridiculed in the way that he was i have no i don't identify with that at all i don't understand i don't understand bullying in a way that makes you want to kill yourself i have no concept of that and i mean i'm glad i don't i'm empathetic or sympathetic whatever 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 the word is that means that I feel for him and his experience, I that's not mine.
1: Yeah, I think a lot of it is just, like, some of these kids just need somebody to tell them, like, yo, you're dope as hell. Like, you're cool just the way you are. And in our family's own ways, I think they were doing that. Yeah. You know, I think when you have your, your older cousins teasing you and stuff like that, like, my clapback game got so strong. Baby. Because, like, yeah. so I was kind of, like, ready the bullies a little bit and I know that wasn't our family's intention but that was like a byproduct of going back and forth playing the dozens and stuff like that Yeah, and I'm like yeah alright my, my my cousin be calling me gay too but like hey I, I that's not nothing new for me Yeah. you know what I'm saying and then at one point my mom was like you know what they, they call you gay well what else can they say ask them that and I did one time I'm like see? okay I'm gay what else can you say you can't think of one can you okay I got like three
0: see Ooh. <laughs> you're right but so this is this is this is tangential but related yeah this kind of anti-bullying movement i think is crippling i think yeah. it's crippling kids um i i people are killing themselves because kids are going as far as to kill themselves because someone did a negative facebook post about them or a series of them or they got targeted yeah. and i think that now the the the, the, the um the culture is so anti-bullying. Is so
1: protective. You call them snowflakes. That's what the kids
0: are. They are. They. They. That it's crippling their ability to have any kind of coping skills. So growing up, yeah. I mean, it's you had to have tough. Skin. It's part. It's part of being a kid to get picked on if you're different or if you're not or whatever, or to pick on other kids. It's part of what we grew up with, and it's made us have tough skin. It's made us. Be able to have, be able to cope when someone says something bad about us. We don't lose our shit and (laughs) want to like run away from the world. Um, It doesn't mean that at times it didn't hurt, but it's through that hurt that you're able to develop the coping mechanism to live and to thrive and to be yourself. And I am not. I have. I. I'm scared to share my views about bullying a lot of times.
1: Don't because I'm just like. It's about a fittest. This is the thing, though. You have to think about the era that you and I came up in. You know, like, in the 90s and even in the early 2000s, there were a lot of things that were accepted that just are not accepted anymore. True. true. And I think... It was you, definitely not about being politi- politically. Yeah, yeah. Correct. It was It was okay to, to look at a woman and be like, oh, okay, so, like, when you're going to push out some kids, you know what I'm saying? When, yeah. no, you better get you a husband. You're not getting any younger. I remember watching... Um, Bugs Bunny cartoons, and the person would
0: put their head in a barrel and blow up, and they come out with black yeah. face. And it was funny. And it was funny, <laughs> but that's what. in Heinz, that you won't see those now no, because and, of we're so censored. And I'm, in, in some ways, I'm glad. I'm glad that we're more sensitive to right. racism and all that. But
1: I just, I think there's a fine line between, you know, protecting young people and crippling them. Well, see, that's why I brought that up because they don't come from an era where it's accepted to do those things. So if you grow up just knowing that calling people names is bad, you should not do it. And then when someone goes against the norm, they do it anyway. You don't have the coping skills to really deal with that because it's something that you should not be dealing with. Yeah. And then you also have to consider they come up with social media now. So it's like you're not actually um, growing up and being bullied at school. You go home and then it's done. Now it's like, all right, I'm being bullied at school. And then I go home and there's like more, you know, because I'm online. And it's like Facebook posts and like it, it's constant. So it's tough. It's it tough. is. I. It's, yeah, it's
0: It's part of why it's also as to why I don't want children. <laughs> because I don't want to deal with that shit. It's, to, it's so much. It's a lot. It's so much. And I just, I, I just, this generation that's coming up, I just feel for them. Because they they just lack they are going to lack so many coping skills with dealing with people. They're going to lack social skills because they aren't because they didn't, because now it's all about being on your phone and your video games. So going out to play is like a thing of the past. So then we're going to end up with a generation of socially awkward little punk bitches kids
1: who can't write cursing. Who can't who write cursing. all right so we're off on a tangent a little bit i want to bring it back to us and our um our stories Uh like do you remember when you first came out to me no (laughs) so it was around i think like maybe 98 ish around that time and we were in your car i think you were um, taking me to the mall and we're riding. It was your first car. It was like a, a white 1988 Mazda. A 1988 Mazda 626. And, and you told me that you was like, you know, I think I'm bisexual, but I lean a little bit more to the gay side. Oh. That and <laughs> I was like, okay. And in my mind, I'm like, yo. The gateway to gay. Yeah. Like I, I always thought you were gay already. Right. I just kind of just ex- accepted that. And and part of that was because I snooped on you a lot. What and do you mean? Well, like, you had your own phone mm-hmm. at, like, grandma's house. Mm-hmm. And when you were away at college, I would be on the phone. Mm-hmm. And I would, like, you know, answer your calls and shit. And people used to call asking for Jay. And it was always, like, men who want to speak oh. to Jay. I'm like, who the fuck is Jay? Was that my alias? I think it was my oh, yeah. alias. Oh, shit. <laughs> Stop. <laughs> I didn't know that. Yeah. Yeah. And I would, like, look through your stuff. So I'm like, the time's gay. You know? <laughs> A little backstory for you. Get um out. So Get out. <laughs> but your your coming out really, really did pave the way for me. And in a lot of ways, it made it easier for me to do it mm-hmm. because you had just done it. And I remember when I when I told you that I thought I liked boys and you know, we had a conversation about it. And after that I just felt lighter. I was like, mm-hmm. okay, one person knows. And then that kind of made me okay with just, like, being like, whatever. Like, I'm going to just own it. I wish that I could give the listeners the context so
0: I could say, if I was 21 how old Kamar was, but he would have my head <laughs> if I openly admitted to how old he is. Off although, with your head. Although he said it before on the show, if you're, if you're a faithful listener, That's then you right. know how old he is.
1: Uh-huh. You got to really listen. But, um... I wanna... Yeah, it, it was very helpful to have someone already kind of like doing that, and then I just kind of like slid in. So they had already went through that with you, mm-hmm. and it's it's kind of like that that middle child syndrome. It's like when you have that first kid, you're like oh my god, the baby, it's all about the baby. Then when the second one comes, you're like, all right, oh, yeah. Well. <laughs> you know who I had? I had these songs. Get out. Nassam was a
0: person I could confide in because he had gone through it. And I could I could I had a, a voice. I had a, a person that I could actually talk to. And, you know, he, he's the one that kind of gave me an entree into um kind of hanging out with other gay people. Cause up until that point, all my friends, all my friends were straight, hung out with my straight friends going to the club. so, you know, there's a in um in my age group and when you're from here in this area, um, you know, the the gay boys would go hang out on Christopher Street, oh, the and all that. and I didn't do that. That was never my. I didn't go to the, all the clubs that they did and all that because I was hanging out with my straight friends going to the tunnel, mm. you know. So I that wasn't part of my story, hanging out on Christopher Street or talking to boys or um, you know going to the Octagon and all until way later. By the time I got into that, I was like fascinated by everything because uh, I was like really like a newbie to this. Like this whole life um, And whatever It's it opened your eyes It man? did open my eyes a whole
1: lot I want to know how your friend was like Forced out of the closet Like he has to tell me that's
0: Yeah he'll be on the show soon And yeah. now let's ask him But it, it was unfortunate That he was outed The way he was outed in school mm. And it really It really like caused um, It was traumatic for him And um, it was fucked up that, 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 he, that he dealt with that But you know so I don't, I don't really. I just want to bring it back again to um, our dear, our dearly departed Nigel, um, who, you know, su- who, who succumbed to the pressures of being bullied.
1: Yeah, I just, I just wish you guys could um, hear. You know what? Let's play a clip of the interview that his mom gave. You know, telling his story and, and who he was and um, the type of life he lived. Let's okay. listen to that. Let's hear it come behind something so tragic as this, but I guess there's always a blessing in disguise. So, Mm -hmm. I'm thankful that he, in the end, he got, you know, (sighs) the fame that he was looking for. I I definitely wish it wasn't like this, but I'm glad that people know who he is now, you know? Because that's truly all he ever wanted. I just really, really wish he was here to actually see the love and support that people have given me because of the love that he's put out. I don't know what to say, Kamar. It's mm-hmm. heartbreaking. It's heartbreaking, and it's just like this kid had so much life to live, you know, that was cut short. And is that an exclusive? Um, it was a little exclusive
0: Okay yeah. <laughs> Okay Okay I did want
1: to my own horn, But yeah You know um, Spoke with her for a while And She just wants her son To be remembered For more than How he died yeah. You know what I'm saying He's not a suicide victim He's not a bullying victim He was a person That lived a full life You know um, That loved to dance Loved to laugh And um, He He, he had some demons yeah. And unfortunately Our young people Have demons these days and that's that wasn't even a thing that was' in our lexicon back in the day you know mm-hmm. you you're too young you ain't got no business <laughs> like what right, you mean get out yeah. my business you ain't got no business right, like right, these right. these kids have a whole life and it's all based on that phone and um, it's sad but it also contributes to their mental health a lot yeah. and you know pay attention to your kids you know
0: so let's wind down the, let's wind, let's wind down this segment kamar what are your kind of parting thoughts
1: about this? I think, what it really all comes down, but it really all comes down to for me is about prevention, and there is a way to handle mental health. And I think the first thing is that kids need to be aware that there are resources for people who are dealing with depression, who for people who have suicide thoughts, suicidal thoughts, and it's not abnormal to do that.
0: But it goes to show. I will say that it means that we have to. If yes, there yes, there are resources out there. But it means to have adults in their life that can look past whatever their thinking is about about this difference that the kid ha- has and supports them. You know, I, I I think that's equally important. That yeah, the resources, but who it, it it could be resources. But who are who's the people that are going to
1: deliver those resources but see that's i think the thing is for me it's like just to know that over the years there's been so many you know this goes back for decades so many kids who have taken their own lives um because they've been bullied mm-hmm. and because it's been you know all about their sexuality and i think that can make you depressed but the thing is just they need somebody there to tell them that yo mental health is real you gotta take care of yourself and here are resources and programs that that do that and also it's about showing them positive representations of gay people and black people and transgender people and people who look like them mm-hmm. you know and that's not in the school curriculum i don't know if you know young nigel shelby could just go to his library and rent paris is burning you know what i'm saying like yeah. i don't know if um he had those resources, but there are a lot of um, proposals and um, um, on the legislative level to mandate non discrimination clauses inside of the school structure and to put um, LGBT stuff within the curriculum. Yeah. So kids are just growing up knowing okay, oh, there's straight people, there's gay people, you know, there's transgender people, they're just people. And um, it's a very
0: Northeastern way of thinking. Yeah. Unfortunately, I, yeah. our country is so different than that. So, you know, I, I, my only thing that I want to kind of lead off with this, this is a, a, a subject that, as we said, you know, is near and dear to us. Um, I'm blessed that I was able to find my joy. Um, Kamar. I'm blessed that you were able to find your joy despite whatever our upbringing is. And yeah. I feel that, you know, all the little brothers and sisters of ours who weren't able to find their joy, that, they, that they've left a mark on this world that leave something for the next generation to be able to find their joy. That's all I got to say. All right. Well said. Let's talk some shit. Let's talk some shit. Now is the time for Kamar
1: and I to air out the things that grinds our gears. And Kamar, you start. (laughs) So this is going to be a little provocative, but honestly, I want to talk shit about the porn company. It's a gay porn company called Breed It Raw. Oh. (laughs) And Breed It Raw. (laughs) Really raw. Our engineer Wait 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 what? Our engineer just grimaced like
0: Oh like. Oh, he like, wasn't ready for that He wasn't, he wasn't ready, ready. I, yeah. that's, why, that's why we warned him about stuff Yeah
1: yeah And you know I ain't gonna lie Breed It Raw is one of my go to studios And they are uh, one of those companies That just don't They don't use condoms and I mean Breed It Raw I mean <laughs> Whether or not You know what breeding is You know Raw And yeah. it's porn they, uh, Okay They made a name for themselves For being mostly um, You know black actors and mostly, um, you know, cream pies and stuff like that. All right, we'd so, have to go to the language, Kamar. Oh, well, yeah, so that's what it's all about. Now there's a proposal from, you know, from the top, and he's saying, the top, <laughs> from the top of the, <laughs> of the company, <laughs> and he's just like, he doesn't want to. Um, do raw stuff anymore. He wants to start having his actors use condoms. He wants to start having actors um, have like little skits and stuff where they go get tested or where they might find out that they have HIV. He wants to just make it more inclusive to the wider society. Interesting. Now, some of this might have to do with where they tape at. You know, I know for um, just off the top of my head in California, if you do porn, you have to use condoms. Which is why the porn industry is leaving California. Yeah. um, And I just feel like I don't know if he's bowing to pressure or something like that. Or if he just really thinks that it needs to be better representation of safe sex, but maybe he's just being
0: responsible right now. I'm going to, now I don't necessarily want to see condoms in my porn either. I think that's the whole point of watching porn. It's is fantasy. To not, Well, yeah. And it's a tool, but it's, um, I think there's a place in porn for whatever, you, like whatever it is, condoms mm-hmm. or not. But I think that in the, um, in the gay community, black people, Community, especially you know, HIV is really running rampant, and people are just fucking around without using condoms at all. They're mm-hmm. seeing it everywhere, and for all he knows, it very much could be that the that the um, the quote unquote actors, I'll call them the performers mm-hmm. in that company, they could have been spreading it back and forth.
1: So- they could have been
0: bringing in people and then infecting them. And he and, and maybe he's having a a, a moment. Of clarity where he feels responsibility for the spread of HIV having because mm-hmm. he's promoting no condom usage yeah so maybe this is his way of giving back by a under his dot under his watch under his company he's eliminating that mm-hmm. so he's introducing safer practices and then by having skits by having some kind of something about getting tested mm-hmm. he's contributing to ending to lessening the spread of hiv and i think that's to be commended i'm sure his company will suffer because people don't want to watch porn that has condoms <laughs> not at but all that's what he's choosing to do b- to be responsible and yeah. i think i commend him for making a decision based on his own duty to be responsible now how that happened how that ends up with his company staying afloat i don't know but he can't call a breeder off if they're not breeding it raw
1: well they're talking about changing the name and i definitely do understand where it's coming from yeah i'm just like you've made your name on doing this i don't i just need to know more about the strategy behind this maybe he's made maybe he's made all the money that he can and he has whatever
0: like uh, has whatever residuals from all the all the clips that he's already produced and is getting from and is getting out of um subscriptions that he's like you know what i don't want to do this anymore i right. want to i want to take all that i've done and whatever and want to flip it and now i want to be responsible in, in a different kind of way and i think that's fine because it ain't going nowhere my <laughs> are going to still fuck on camera raw you still got all the only fans and just for fans and all that which is really popping these days right, right? so there will, so just for every breed at raw that closes there'll be another one that opens there'll be another raw rods <laughs> another whatever is whatever they're all called that will give the people what they want
1: you know um, i want to stick on this just for a little bit because i wanted to talk shit because personally i'm one of those people that if i see condoms in porn, i turn it off that's not what i'm into and you know i understand that it's not really safe but like oh well like that's the actor's problem um now on the flip side it's like i'm i'm imagining people who are looking at porn and thinking that's the way to have sex and that's True. not how it should be. True. You know what I'm saying? Like, like I have friends who you, you can. <laughs> well, there's f- some.
0: There are some companies that in the that in the disclaimer after they do all the legal stuff will say, yeah, despite what we're doing in this clip, you know, we advocate for condom usage. Exactly.
1: Was, I you think used, that's just fast forward past that though. Oh yeah, like you're not wasting my little paper few minutes. <laughs> but um, <laughs> Right right all that shit. But I have friends who say. They're men. It's like, yo, you're watching too much porn. I can tell because you want to beat my pussy up like it's like, you know, like, come on now, for real. This is not porn. This is real life. This is not how you have sex. And I'm imagining, you know, gay guys doing the same thing. Like, oh, I want to breed it. Like, nigga, we not breeding in 2019. Like, I don't know you like that. Porn... You would think that these people have been tested and screened, or if they are—that's how it used
0: to be. It used to be a whole industry, a
1: whole like testing system before whatever. That's what I think when I watch these scenes. I don't—I exactly. don't imagine them being like, "Oh, you good? Okay, I'm good. I'm clean. Let's go." Right? Like, nigga, no. That's What they do? No. So, I'm, I, I think you should always have sex with people. Uh, wait, no. You should always have safe sex if you're having. Sex. <laughs> 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 I don't know how that came out like that. Mm, the but, troops uh, <laughs> are always... um a little slippage, a little Freudian slip. But uh, yeah, you know, um, in real life, yes, condoms all the time. It's too risky. But in my porn, I don't want to see no condoms. And read it raw, yeah, better, you better have both available for me if you want to keep me as a subscriber. I boom. mean, if you want to keep those subscribers. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <Ba-dum>, boom. <laughs> I want to steal Kamar's other talking shit topic and say I want to talk shit about the all the fucking letters, the LGBT, the L G L G B T I Q A K, yep. yep. all kind of stuff, right? <laughs> and I get this whole movement towards inclusion, mm-hmm. which is like, ugh. Yeah. If you include everybody, then you've included nobody. Right. Like i right. all. About, we all can't be different. I'm all about some <laughs> exclusivity, right? So. Yeah. I will say, um, I, I accept what they are. I don't always agree with them. I'm, um, one of the new letters now is um K. What's that for? K and P for kink and poly. Nah. And I'm like, come nah. on. Nah. That's a lifestyle. I think. I even honestly, I think that the T, for trans, is actually misplaced as well okay so. and here's why here's why I say that <laughs> do and maybe this is really shit. It, this just it. me airing my opinion I want to talk shit about I think that this. when you talk I think when you when you say LGBT I'm sorry when you say LGB those, those are sexualities mm-hmm. lesbian gay bisexual are sexualities mm-hmm. T is an identity it's not a sexuality trans being trans isn't your sexuality being trans is your identity and then you got the Q for questioning Q for questioning or queer or queer I intersex? Intersex. There's something else now. I think they're getting away from saying intersexed. But I'm like, intersex, I, I also get confused at all the different yeah. names. You um, have eight. I, I just think that the, the the adding all the letters means well in terms of inclusion, but I think it's diluting that these are all different communities. And to lump them all in together is to do a disservice to the respective communities. Gay men, are very different than lesbians. I don't even like to party with lesbians. Me neither. <laughs> That's a whole other subject. That's a Not whole another war show. between gays and lesbians. No. But we we love them and support them. We do, them. but like you know, I yeah I, yeah we talk to them <laughs> about lesbians all the time.
1: But I think, and I'm sure they say shit,
0: too <laughs> of course. But you know, the life of the gay person is very different than the life of a bisexual person. Different than, different than the life of a trans person, mm-hmm. then an intersex person, then an ally, then a yeah. questioning. Than a, they're all so different. So when you loop everybody all together, yeah, and once it's, it's uniting, that we're uniting in our difference, but, in, but being inclusive and uniting in our difference takes away from the individual experiences that we're all going through. Yeah. And I don't like that. And I, 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 this movement, again, towards inclusiveness is
1: annoying and I don't embrace it. And, it. and it can be crippling too because again it's a it's a, a sign of the nature of our society right now. It's it like is. everybody is so politically correct and you just can't say gay and lesbian. You gotta be like LGBTQI and, and honestly um, I learned this lesson early on in my career. I had an editor who I, I subsequently found out that he was gay mm-hmm. and I was talking about um, like a gay teen or something like that, and I put LGBT in the community, but he was like, "No, like let's not include that. This is not about transgender and questioning. You know, this is about a person who lives his life as a gay man. Yes, it's different. Yes, and I was like, oh yes, you're right.' And and then and then from then on, I started to be conscious of that. And um, I don't I don't think it's fair to lump everybody together. Like yes, no. we're all I guess what you know back in the day they would call it alternate lifestyles." And, you know, it's not it's not the norm. And I think by lumping it all together, you're trying to make it the norm, which is like, yeah, you know, nobody's normal, quote unquote. Right. But we're all different. We should celebrate our differences in our own lane. Yeah. So, yeah, I'm glad you brought that one up. I was going to talk shit about that another day, but well, no, hey, yeah, I just, just it was it. I loved it. It's been on <laughs> my mind. Um, good, good. So
0: that's our time together, guys. Um, we hope to not only entertain you, but to provide you with some new or different perspective about the various topics we discuss. Join the conversation and share your thoughts
1: on today's topic. Yes, and please, if you're not already subscribing, um, look us up on Facebook. Just give us a search for The Heathen's Guide to Life. And on Instagram, it's at Heathen's Guide, no apostrophe S. And I want to say thank you to our new followers on uh, Facebook. I see you guys out there and I love how you're joining the conversation. Hey! Make sure,
0: make sure you go to our website, The Heathens Guide, TheHeathensGuide.com, and sign up for the mailing list, check out the archives of our shows, and buy some fucking merchandise. Mm-hmm. Look us up on Mixcloud, SoundCloud, um, iTunes, and Stitcher, and subscribe. Leave a comment on all those platforms and share with your friends. Tune in next week for another episode of The Heathens Guide to Life.
1: Gay! I was born there. <laughs>